All right. Uh, welcome back, my friends, to the Freestyle Way podcast. I'm your host, Carl Powley, and I'm sitting here with Rylan Hormel. What's up, y'all? How are you? I'm doing good. Happy New Year. This is our, our first recording in the new year, it but is. I think it's the third episode of the new year for people. But Happy New Year. Yeah, 2020. How, how you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, excited about a, a lot of things to come, but you know, it's just another day, the new year. It's yeah. Not, it's not anything that's... It's too, not like new too, year, new yeah, you. new year, new me. It's like I've already been working on all, all of the things I want to accomplish in 2020, you mm-hmm. know, before. So I don't wait for January 1 to do it. My birthday is almost more of like... When is your birthday? November 7th. November 7th. And yeah. I, I think we... Did, did we... Had we started recording podcasts then? I don't think so. Okay. Not Anyways, yet. we'll yeah. do something special for birthdays. Yeah, but that's like the day of reflection for nice. me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, New Year. That's uh, that's cool. I'm doing great. I feel amazing. It's so crazy. I mean, not traveling right now feels great, although I just booked a ticket to go to Singapore. Really? So I'm going to be in Singapore when? in February. Cool. I'm going to go visit family, and I might do something there, like a coffee club. or ask, Yeah, coffee, coffee club. club maybe I'll, I'll give a, a talk or something. Um, I'm going to meet up with some friends, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And uh, what else is going on? Um, dude, last night's uh, dinner party was cool. Yeah, we had a little dinner party. Actually, not little. Turned into a big <laughs> dinner party last minute. You had a lot of people in yeah, your house. Invites went out Sunday night, and then everybody said yes like we had so within 24 hours we had over 20 people at the house that was pretty crazy cooked up some vegan tacos for everyone didn't tell anyone you didn't tell they they weren't me a few of my friends came up to me and they're like hey that was actually pretty good i was like okay so you picked up on it and then a couple other people when we were cleaning i was like yeah like what'd you guys think of the the fake meat someone looked at me and they're like wait i didn't have meat tonight (laughs) yes i got you that's funny that's funny are you vegan I, I'm playing around with it right now. Okay, um, we can we can get into yeah. The, so we can get into that later for sure. Um, but it's you know something I never thought I'd do. So that's why one of the reasons I'm doing it. Um, and it, it's not something like I will eat meat again, but in a much more deliberate manner. And that's kind of the big reason why I'm doing it is like wanting to be more conscious about my food and how I cook and um, just eating more plants and it's felt really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, dude. Very cool. Anyways, um, welcome everyone to another episode. In this episode, we got a chance to sit down with a uh, recording artist, Lucas Graham. And, uh, if you don't know who Lucas Graham is, you probably heard some of his music. Uh, seven years is, uh, one, one of his, most known songs but he has a bunch of other singles that are out there that uh if you if you hear them you you'll recognize them had you heard his music before yeah i had you had yeah um funny story is when when we uh when tanya and i adopted tanai uh, i made like a little video montage and i used seven years as my little uh intro uh music and it was so funny to meet him in person and be like, oh, man, I've cried to your song. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, crazy. I, that was the first song of his I heard um, right when it came out. And yeah, I mean, he sounds different. He's got a unique style. I mean, the dude can sing. Oh, fuck yeah. And, it's and amazing. And Tanya and I went to his concert the day after uh, the interview that we, we did with yeah. him. And 
uh, he killed it. I mean, he, he his presence on stage and he commands the crowd. I mean, that's I mean to be able to sing that's awesome to be able to command a, a crowd and own a stage like that's a whole nother skill set that always um always kind of blows me away yeah yeah which uh, just being there in that presence was cool and uh having the chance to be able to interview him was cool especially because uh, i had heard his music of course Daniel, who's been on the podcast, uh, who also uh, makes a little appearance here, is his movement coach and travels with him and happened to also uh, work as his PA during the American tour that he just did. Uh, so it's cool to see everything come full circle. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you guys to listen in to this uh, conversation that we had. And then what we're going to do is we'll, we'll check in on the back end. So yeah, here's Lucas Graham. Do, do you remember, do you remember, um, let me know when we're ready with the camera and everything. Cool. Do you, do you remember, uh, the first time you sang and you had that moment where you're like, oh shit, this is a superpower. Um, no, I don't think it ever dawned on me. Um, it dawns on me in moments. Um, it's like when you do what I do, you have to accept the fact that the road is the most important part and that the mountaintops and the little cherry on top of cakes are very fleeting moments that don't actually exist because no one's enjoying them. Um, but sometimes when I stand in front of people and I sing and I realize that I am affecting them, not just in the now, but I affected them years ago and I will affect them for years to come, that is a, uh, that is a very powerful moment. Um, and yeah, I have it at least once every night on stage. Um, and I think the day I don't have that moment on stage, uh, I, I should probably stop. Yeah, or at I least reevaluate. Reevaluate how how and what I'm doing. So if 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 someone didn't know you, how would you label yourself? I wouldn't, um, because at the end of the day, nobody like you don't even know yourself. So how is anyone ever going to know you? You can just be the nicest person you can in that moment, and that like. I'm sure to some people I'm an asshole, to some people I'm uh, I'm super compassionate, to some people I'm godlike. All of them are true. Like, not everyone deserves the same version of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's we can get into that. We're going. I think we're going deep right away. Yeah, but I mean, it kind of. I think that's just because that's who we are as people, the three of us. We don't. Surface is fun. When you're with people mm-hmm. who are surface people. Um, we're allowed to go deep. Yeah. Have you ever been frustrated uh, with uh, someone maybe uh, saying, oh, Lucas, uh, like the the guy that sang Seven Years, or, uh, oh, Lucas Graham, recording artist. That, that, has that ever frustrated you, or, or has it felt uncomfortable? I mean, people are using boxes for their sake, not for anybody else's. Um, my dad used to say, I don't know what I like, but I like what I know. And that, so you take people and you put them into a box. I say, oh, Carl Pauli, gymnast and coach. But that's not Carl Pauli. That's a little corner of it. Um, and I, I, I think it's, it's okay to process the fact that not anyone can handle the truth about a person they're seeing or meeting. 
like it we were huge entities of energy and consciousness and it's very hard to to label us um i think that's why i ended up in um gymnastics movement oriented workout scheme i've done bodybuilding i've done martial arts of different sorts swimming and all that and with this style of workout there's always another level it's not just a heavier exercise i'm not only building strength i'm building like nervous system movement patterns that my body didn't know before and and i think that's um that's what i caught on to because it's just like everything else in in life we're building towards something we don't know what is let's let's go down the technical path just for a little bit uh i imagine you've always been pretty physical uh active uh, what wh- what were you like as a kid um in uh, in the Danish expression, it would be uh, I had gunpowder up my ass. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> directly translated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know my mom had a big. Uh, she struggled to understand me as a kid because I was so explosively expressive. Mm. I had a lot of energy in a lot of different directions. Um, my daughter is a very true copy of that. And um, my grandmother would always, if my mom ever, when after my father died, we talked about childhood and all these things that you have to do after such a catastrophic event comes in your life. You need to reevaluate where, where are we coming from? What was the good parts of my dad? What weren't good parts and stuff? And my mom expressed this hard, like this difficulty understanding me because I had so much energy. And my grandmother, who, well, of course, wasn't troubled with me every day, she described me not like that at all, but as an an interesting child instead, because it, it was like you could always give me a mission or a or a, like a quest for something, um, and I think that's kind of been me ever since. I need a mission. Um, I'm not very. I'm. <laughs> I like. I like to solve problems. I like when solutions are found. I like when we don't beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. I think my my desire to fix situations created more conflicts. Interesting. <laughs> and, and that's because most people, if you say fix, it implies there is something wrong. And I would just say that just because a situation is good doesn't mean it couldn't get better. And sometimes I just need to let that go. So you were a firecracker. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and what, what we would say here in the U.S., a handful <laughs> or or a, a couple of handfuls. <laughs> so Lucas was a handful. Uh, were you out there uh, getting into trouble and mischief, or oh, also w- that. were you just were you just high energy all the time until it was uh, you passing out at night? Um, high energy all the time. I think the computer uh, was the first time I found. Well, also in reading, I found this ability to turn my body off um, mm. and go into my head, playing computer games reading books um any books history books books about like facts and <laughs> and also reading novels short stories uh religious literature just i'm a sponge for information and i think that's again why i like this way of working with my body as you saw today at a session i transfer what i see into something i can do quite rapidly yeah you're definitely a fast learner and you're definitely curious and you, you you seem from what I know like you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of information does does 
that information serve you uh, all the time or does it get in the way sometimes? Like, do, uh, do you operate so fast sometimes that you're like, oh man, wait, I need to slow down and step back here for a second? I think um, a lot of my environment struggles with the speed with which I process information. Um, it can be a, a, like a hem me in sometimes. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> And mm-hmm. um, and also, I'm not afraid of failing. Um, I'm not afraid of attempting things I can't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think most people are afraid of failing, not the fear of failure, but they're afraid of the success. Yeah. Because failing is something that we're actually quite used to as humans. We fail more times than we succeed in a life. You look at kids, how many times do they fall before they suddenly can walk? Right. And you think it's from crawling to walking in an instant but it's actually over the course of a year and like starting to crawl up things and balance and stand up and like the gymnastics rings came into my life when my daughter was just over one year old and that was uh, that was also when I realized I couldn't get up from sitting down on the ground so what I did was I just copied what Viola did I would just look at how she scooted her butt on top of her heels and then just stood up. Mm-hmm. And I would just copy that until I could do it. Is that how you learned how to sing too? Did you copy someone or did you just start singing? My mom said I was born with a perfect pitch. So when I was two, I had a perfect pitch, um, meaning I could copy melodies and I could correct adults that sang in a wrong pitch. Um, and I don't remember all that, but that's my... Um, that's my mom's storytelling and everybody else. So yeah, I was, I've always been singing, started practicing it when I was eight professionally in a boys choir, Copenhagen's boys choir. So I am a classically trained soprano soloist and have been doing it for 23 years now. That's crazy. And did you, did you enjoy being in a choir? Um, yes and no. It was nice to figure out that there was something I was superhumanly good at. Um, but the discipline wasn't always fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, what was it like? Give me, give me a scenario of you you going into choir practice. No, but it was just like iron chancellor, like uh, like it was just whips, like do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Basically, choir practice was different. But as soon as you were in the choir and there's sixty boys and only two adults to handle the sixty boys, that could it wasn't the most. Um, I don't think uh, child psychiatry would would uh, would say it was a good way of treating <laughs> children. Okay, so it it was uh, maybe a little violent and aggressive in the way that it was. Uh, violent would be uh, not, not not. I don't mean like yeah, physically yeah, very, very aggressive. Yeah, n- not physically violent, but maybe like verbally, emotionally violent, uh, trying to control the these sixty boys. Yeah, and then like you can say other boys cracked under pressure. I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of gangsters and. Uh, and different types of people so it's like whatever a teacher ever said to me couldn't really hurt like in any way shape or form yeah you know right now what's coming up for me is uh my wife and i we were watching american idol and mm. you were on and uh you were teacher yeah yeah and one of the things that we both said was oh my he he He's genuinely expressing expressing this compassion towards the person that he's working with right now. Um, 
and I'm thinking about you as a boy in the choir, and maybe you know it's pretty intense when you when you have sixty boys. But maybe there's a lack of compassion there. But you you seem to have that. Uh, is that something that you're you're aware of and conscious of, and you're thinking about? Is that at the forefront, or is that just part of who you are? Um, I don't know if it was always a part of who I was. I think there was a lot of bluster for a long time, a lot of anger as well, um, a lot of frustration. Um, but at some point in my life, I decided to not bleed on people who didn't cut me. Um, and I genuinely attempt to make every interaction with another human being a pleasant experience for that other human being. Was there a moment where you realized that peop- you were starting to attract people where like, oh yeah, this thing that I do is attracting people and now I'm starting to become aware of the different types of people that are coming around me. Yeah. Do, do, do you see what I'm, I'm, I'm going with this? I, um, I like my, my fiancé, my girlfriend, the mother of my child, um, for being very... She has like an X-ray vision when it comes to people, and so do I. But some people are so good at manipulating, manipulating mm. their environment that they can manipulate even people like me, who, like, I am emotionally and cognitively intelligent i have a lot of knowledge in different fields of uh, of of knowledge um i can move i can sing i can dance i have confidence like even when i'm self-conscious and i don't feel i have a lot of confidence i'm still like among the one percent and and sometimes i'm in environments where i need to shut off my natural uh feelings of people now that you're here, you're in the U.S., you're touring the U.S., I'm just wondering, uh, for you, I assume the relationship that you have with your fans, what do you call them, your people, your listeners, your audience? I wish we could just your call friends. them people who like what I do. That's awesome. Let's call it that. People we who have like to remember that the word fan is a, comes from fanatic. Yeah, which and is, I has think a negative we shouldn't be fanatic in any aspect of our life. I'm with you. Like, it's very important to not become fanatic in anything. So let, let the people who like what you do. Yes. Yeah. Is there a difference between uh, the U.S., Korea, where you just were, Indonesia, uh, Northern Europe, Southern Europe? And, and if so, what's the difference that you feel uh, as an artist? Uh, the difference was bigger every time we broke a new market um, because countries have cultures. And then you have like ethnicities also have cultures. And what I've tried to do, I've tried to uh, educate my audience um, to understand that I'm a pretty low-key, humble guy that don't, I don't fancy screaming girls at the airport when I arrive in Seoul, so they stop doing that. Um, I feel that the Asian gift-giving thing is a little too much because I don't need anything. I don't even have wishes for my Christmas or my birthday presents. Um but I know that Rillo is getting me a ring thing for Christmas and I'll be super stoked once I hang that up in my living room. (laughs) So a ring thing for those who are listening is is basically like a belt with uh, two ropes and a pulley that goes into a set of rings so you can do your ring training. You can have your body weight and and get into positions in the rings that are uh, unavailable to you at the moment. In my ring thing, I can do... uh, I can press to Iron Cross. I can do a full straight body straight arm planche 
into an iron cross. I can do my backwards, forwards rolls with a straight body. And it just feels fun to touch on some of the, the goals of my practice, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are a lot of topics right now. A lot of topics. And yeah, I, hope, which I hope you can snippet it up. Uh, and dude, I, I, <laughs> I, got, I got them all. I think this, what's interesting is that I think it's important to have a lot of topics and to express the complexity of one. Well, it's back beautiful. To, back to our favorite uh, movement skill term of skill transfer. Yes. It's, uh, we, <laughs> we sometimes make mock accents when we talk about it because it's kind of... Because it, it is, it's funny when we hear how mantra-like we sound in uh-huh. our, when we talk about it, it. It's kind of funny. It is funny. I mean, but when it, to get back to the whole audience thing, I've tried to uh, educate my audience and um, teach them how I would like responses to be. Um, and it's just become a little less screamy, hyperventilating. It's a little more low-key, general conversation. Um, I also had to pull away from my own audience because I write songs about my father dying and becoming a father myself and losing friends to suicide and gang violence and Mm -hmm. also just choosing not to be friends anymore and people fans listeners would start and come to me and tell me their stories and I couldn't I couldn't handle it I couldn't uh, I couldn't cope with it Um, one of our first shows in Portland this girl comes in and she's crying and I'm signing these t-shirts for her niece and nephew that is in her parental care because her older sister is a needle addict and has just doesn't give a damn about her own kids because she can't. She's so emotionally destroyed that she can't actually even take care of her own kids. So here you have a 20-something-year-old younger sister taking care of her niece and nephew who are, who are only half her age and giving me this entire story. And I just remember going to the bus and crying myself to sleep that night. And over the course of the next year, I had to figure out how how can I deal with this shit? Mm. And when I read fan letters about, you helped me through a dark time, your lyrics in this and this song, I can read that. And that gives me more strength to keep doing what I do. Um, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a shrink. And I, like, even shrinks see shrinks. Because you can't deal with other people's problems all the time, especially if you're not in a position to change their predicament. And through that knowledge of trying to interact with like thousands of people on a global scale, um, you 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 have to just figure out emotional boundaries for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is so big because your craft is to evoke emotion as you're conveying message. Yes. And that's a lot when that big wave comes back on you uh, to handle. And and I kind of, I want to relate that to an exaggerated version of what life is. You know, you, you put out, you receive. Oh, yeah. You, you receive way more, uh, at least emotional uh, response and reaction, if you want to call it that, for, than most people. Uh, just walking around the street, especially when you're performing. Yeah, you could say um, I've never had the desire to try drugs like cocaine or ecstasy, all of these uplifting things, because (laughs) the adrenaline jolt I get on stage is incomparable to anything. 
Um, it's um, I'll try and explain it. When I'm on stage, I get more time than you have. I get maybe it's one or maybe it's five seconds extra per minute. I can perceive things that you can't. I can read the crowd. I can magically figure out something to say in the middle of a desk that's broken down. A, a desk is what everything runs through, either mm-hmm. front of house or monitor-wise. And if a desk breaks, it can be anything from 30 seconds to 10 minutes before we're back up and running. I have had my back to the audience when a pine cone was thrown on stage and I reached out and I caught it without ever seeing the pine cone. Um, I uh, have... <laughs> I've done crazy things on stage. Uh, a beer was thrown on stage and I caught the, the glass of beer without spilling a lot. Like it was spilling while it flew through the air and I kind of caught it and I drank it and the audience erupted. Like things that happen. I talked about it to Lauren Dusky yesterday, the, the opener on this tour. I explained to her that you only fuck up on stage when you let your head decide what's going on because your body knows what to do but your head will create these trips for you. And the same comes to the rings. I'm not doing my backwards roll properly because I'm thinking about it, but my forward roll, I'm just doing it. And that you can transfer that into any walk of life. As soon as you think about it, the chances are you can mess it up. But as soon as you let your body do something it's done before, it will do it fluidly, without falter. And it's... Um, it's a wonderful thing to experience, on, especially on stage, because like, I have missed lyrics on stage, and because I let my head control what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, you're missing lyrics, and you're you're uh, what you're I not you're I not always, there. I always I always laugh. That's 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 good. That's good. That's a good reaction. I always laugh. Like I used to stop and start over. But then I've also experienced stopping and starting over and messing up in the same spot. Mm, that you kind of get into this like... Then, uh, then you're stuck in a rut. Yeah, you're stuck in a rut, I was going to say. So it, what you're really speaking of is uh, an altered state of consciousness that you enter when you... I mean, if I have on one second extra per minute, I have an extra minute per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, things I couldn't do, I couldn't do strict muscle-ups, but then we attempted, we put the rings up in a truck and I walked straight off stage... And I just did three strict muscle-ups in an L-sit position. Like, the day after, two days later, in a, in a, in a workout session, I could only do a muscle-up kipping. Uh-huh. Back on a stage, a week later, hang the rings in the truck behind the stage, walk off stage. This time it was five strict muscle-ups. It's like, okay, so I, my body knows what to do, but as soon as I'm turning on my brain, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, it's, it's surreal. I think it's surreal and and really awesome because it's one of the foundations of what I try to help people understand is that when it comes to performance, for performance is really measured by feel. It's like being there in the moment, present. There's it's like you don't feel pain, so there's really an altered um, reality that you're living on on stage. Have you ever noticed? the audience level up with you and meet you where you are and if so when when was that how was that um i think that the buddhist mindset sets up audiences for more uh high i will call it high frequency uh, interaction um korea and japan is a great example 
because when I, if I say jump and I start jumping, everyone in the audience jumps simultaneously. And that is something to do with, you know, they're not afraid of failing, and they're, but they're afraid of not being a part of the group. Then you have the US and Europe, where people will literally be too cool to jump. But that's the thing. You'll have people that are self-conscious about, oh, I don't want to jump in front of people. Mm. I don't want to be physically active in front of people. What if I start sweating? Will I start smelling? I have a beer in my hand. What if I spill on my hand and I have to go and wash my hand, but I'm in the middle of a crowd? That's like all these thoughts that are inhibiting people from just having fun. That's why I love festivals. Because a concert on a Tuesday night, you're going to have some limitations unless you're in Korea. <laughs> uh, I see. Or if you're in Madrid or Barcelona. Like, if you're in, in northern Italy, like, they will scream, they will shout, they will cry, and they will jump with you. They will walk into fire with you. Then you're in northern Europe. People are still enjoying it. Germany, Denmark, Scandinavia. You can hear when they are applauding that they're still enjoying it. But they have a fear of being in it. And I'm the same. I'm that guy at a concert. I would be in the back, in the bar, drinking my beers, not engaging except for the the, the, the applause. And and um, I would love to teach myself to be the guy in the crowd. Well, my problem is when I go into a crowd, people ask for selfies and it kind of destroys my way of looking at a concert. Sure. Um, so I'm now the guy who buys that booth at the stadium like so I can go with my friends and watch a concert and scream and dance and jump. Um, but I, I miss being I miss being that guy in the audience in the mush pit with the jumps, with the claps, and just experiencing, feeling the concert, mm-hmm. not just perceiving it. Is being known by those who like and enjoy what you do is that difficult? I don't know. I was always famous because I did movies from I was two till I was seven, and then I started in the choir when I was eight and started doing theater from I was fifteen till twenty. So was, I've I don't know. I was always known enough in the country I'm from for it to be visibly awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, so, so it's like, oh, there comes the guy from yeah. the show or whatever. I see. Yeah, that, that can be that can be challenging, I can see. Is is there so now let's go into the technical side of things. As as a singer for you, um, I wanna know, do you practice uh, I know that you rehearse but when you're not rehearsing maybe for um, for a tour or uh, a new album, are, do you practice? Do you have a practice? I do not practice. Do you need to practice? No. Would that make you better? No. Um, on the contrary. Yeah. Can you expand, expand on that? I think that's a, a massive one because you've, you've, in a way you're saying you've reached a certain level of technical development that anything above that. Uh, I want to hear what what your thoughts are on that. I mean, every single vocal coach that I've seen for the last, yeah, almost decade, after a a few hours, they're like, well, there's nothing we can teach you. I am, what my vocal coach teaches me at home is I write a new song that is harder to sing, and she teaches me how I can make it easier. That's all I do. Um, I have a diaphragm strength that uh, is quite unique. Um, So you can say I have too much power to do my job. I could fuck up my vocal cords or mess up. I'm sorry, we're in America. We're supposed to be... You can can, can F-bomb it. No biggie. (laughs) 
in Denmark, swearing is a part of the way of life. Please bring yeah. bring Denmark to the U.S. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you can smoke cigarettes and drink beers on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah, national yeah, television and no go, one yeah, would yeah, flinch. Go for it. Uh, no, uh, I could mess up my vocal cords because I have too much power. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even warm up before I go on stage. So you don't even warm up? I warm up my body. Um, I do. That's interesting. I do some lunge walks or jumping squats or like pistol feet. I do some pull-ups. On a strong day, I'll do a few muscle-up transitions without the, the support. Just get up and get down. Um, I'll do a lot of uh, arching pulls to like basically turn like on, opens you up. Turn on my entire back chain. Um, yeah, do some diaphragm exercises. But at the end of the day, if you're a rhythmic singer, you're gonna be warm just from speaking by the time you go on stage. Sure. So every time you hear some R&B artist and like pop singers go. <laughs> it's 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 bullshit. Like they, there's no need, there's no actual need to do it, unless of course it sets your mind in this in the the mindset that you're needing in order to perform better. So we're back to this whole placebo shit. It we literally don't know, but we're doing all these things because we believe it does something for us. And as soon as we're in this belief, it's the same with any religion. Yeah, if so you believe, you, you can do things, and if you don't believe, you can't do things. And you believe you can do a lot, uh, and and thus you do a lot, which is awesome. So, what's the belief system behind your ability to go on stage uh, night after night, especially like on a tour like this, where you're you're traveling on a tour bus, uh, you're spending time all of a sudden talking to me, taking time out of your day. Like, what's the what's the belief system and mindset that's behind your ability to show up every day and perform? technically at your highest well let's uh, look at pro athletes um and the way they work out on off season because what i do with uh, with my movement practice is that my workouts off season are like three hour workouts preferably on an empty stomach like let's make the workout so gruelingly hard off season that when i have to just do a one hour workout and a 90 minute show that's easy and that's it. That's it. That is literally so it. So it's preparation. Yeah, like before I go on a tour like this, I will, I, I'll go, I'll have a three-day bender, like not without me being able to get up and be a good dad, but I'll have some beers in the afternoon. I'll share a bottle of wine with, with whoever's for dinner in the evening. And I, I, like, I don't drink like that normally, but I know that on some time in this tour, I'm going to want to get like really drunk. You're going to let loose. And I'm, but I'm not allowed to. Who, who's not who's not allowing you? I am not allowing okay. me to. I am not allowed to because alcohol dehydrates the vocal cords, dehydrates the entire body. The vocal cords more so because it's a smaller part. Yeah, such a small. And also, um, I don't know what it's called, like spit glands, all the slime stuff that we're creating around mm-hmm. our throats for healthy. That is, like, that's the first thing to go. You know, you wake up after drinking and you're parched. Um if you have a 2% dehydration on, on your brain, it, it reduces cognitive ability. Mm-hmm. Like all that physiological, biochemic stuff uh, that I find super interesting. That is, it is very interesting, which leads us into you enjoying food. Yeah. And one of the things that I enjoy <laughs> the most about following you on Instagram is when I see you uh, landing in a new country 
and then going and eating something with your hands or uh, I think I've seen you eat some crickets uh, or some grasshoppers scorpions, or scorpions. Grass, grasshopper tastes uh, like liver and I wouldn't recommend them. Ants <laughs> are great. That They're little zesty, explosive. The the I have to say, though, everyone should try a scorpion. Have you ever had one of those uh, bad meals that you've had to go on stage and not feeling very hot? Not really. Um, I have a um, I have a spectacular ability to digest food. Um, but I mean, I I went to South America when I was uh, when I was twenty and lived there for a while. And the first thing I did was drank tap water. Took my two weeks of uh, of very very un un uh, unentertaining bowel movements, and then yeah. I was good because I was there for five months. So why not take the two weeks? And the jacks, just so that you're not. So you're just priming, priming. No, but why be afraid of one ice cube in a no, drink awesome. at, a, at some like sleazy bar mm-hmm. in some ghetto that you want to go to just to feel the real deal? Sure, it's uh, it's just easier that way. Um, because our friend here, he he had a bad bad tummy. <laughs> Daniel coming back from Asia, so he doesn't have that. So what what, bad, what does Daniel need to do? I mean, I had a bad tummy coming back from Asia, but I think that was due to a it was constipation more than it was like mm. bad. Um, but that that was too much meat. Um, we shouldn't eat as much meat as our society does. And in Asia, they have uh, well in Korea the Korean barbecue spots. That's if a lot of had meat. It, well, if you've had it here in the states. Then like times a thousand is how well it tastes and how delicate it is to serve over there. I just had too much, um, but yeah, yeah. I I guess what I'm what I'm kind of wondering is when when you have a commitment. So tomorrow at eight is it at eight you go on or uh, nine at nine you go on. You have to be ready, sharp. People have paid money to be there. Um, the thing is, I'm I never focus on being ready. I because never, you're you're always ready. No, 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 or, uh, no. But uh, but in the four seconds it takes me to be not visible, and then I'm visible on stage. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. There's a transformation that happens there. I am. Um, yeah, very much so. I don't know how to explain it. Um. Yeah. Everyone always asks me on show day, "Are you ready? Are you ready?" I'm like, "No, I'm not fucking ready. Mm-hmm. I will be." So there's a transformation that happens. And this has probably been something that you've had always. Is there is there um is there always like a line that you cross or something that you do? Is there some sort of like uh ritual or is it it does it just happen automatically because you're fluid with what's happening around you? It's one of the reasons why I do workouts before going on stage because even on my weakest worst day of having eating bad or maybe I had too much alcohol the night before. Um, at some point during that workout, I turn on. Um, and things that should be hard after 90 minutes of working become easy again. Can I can I bring Daniel in for this for a second? I'm, I'm curious. I have a question for you. Have you seen Lucas turn on? Daniel always says something. When yeah, he can you explain it. what that is? Yeah, he, so he says something. When he notices it, he's like, okay... Now we're in. Can, can you can you talk us through that a little bit? Just let us know, like what 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 does he go through? What does Lucas go through? <laughs> I want to hear. I think uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but 
what I'm seeing as an observer of it is most of the time, almost like an introspective ready state you you go through when when you go through these movements we start off slow and it can be anything from like you bending over with your arms behind your back um at some point you feel like uh you hit a certain skill with a certain power or a certain presence and then both of us are like looking at each other and you're like yeah this is it it's like it's like a look of acknowledgement like this is stage ready this is or maybe this is present this is now this is you're feeling ready uh and that happens typically every show where we go through these things and it can be we've done things that took two minutes and things that took uh, hours before yesterday was a tough workout not even the pre-show workout Mm -hmm. which was the pre-show workout was non-existent um more more or less um but during the workout uh I've been struggling with my left um, mid delt, and um, and yesterday's workout was annoying because I couldn't do what I wanted to do, um, and so we 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 switched it up, and it was like okay. When 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 did your first uh, album come out? Um, the twenty sixth of February two thousand and twelve. Two thousand and twelve. So that's seven. Seven and a half years. How have you changed since? What has changed for you? The I have brought the presence on stage into the rest of my life. Um, so on stage, I am more me than I ever will be in any other circumstance. Um, sometimes, you, like some people explain, I think it was, uh, no, it doesn't matter who said it, but Depression is when your avatar has had enough. Um, I'm on stage and that is my avatar. It is not me. Uh, it is the most perfect and efficient version of me. Um, and that avatar is now also in my workouts because I might be too tired, but I'm still going to get the work done. It's the same. It's like I have a kid now and kids have that presence <laughs> in everything. And you can't. You can't be a good dad and be on your phone while your daughter's saying something to you. You can't, like, those things don't align. And it, it's back to the whole, I would recommend everyone who listens to this podcast to go and just download Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret because it will change your life for the better. And the thing is that we, you are what you think about most of the time. Um, so if we're present and we're thinking about greatness and fun and love and compassion, that is what you're going to get. But you can't get to that without being present. Right. Yesterday's history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. And that's why we call it the present. It's a quote from fucking Kung Fu Panda. I remember I it. it. It was awesome. It was under the, it was, the cherry it, it's, blossom it's, tree, right? It's a cherry blossom yeah. tree. And it's the, it's the, I'm with you. It's the, the old turtle. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just the whole idea that you can't, you can't, you can muscle your way through a muscle up, but once it becomes an inherent part of your skill set, you realize that a push up might even be more demanding on some days than a muscle up. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, which, which is it's exactly like a meditation kind of thing. If you you're meditating and you're focusing on your breathing, if you start to think, it's the return to the breath which is your focus, which is the practice. I am aware that I am inhaling, and I am aware that I am exhaling. 
tell me more about the breathing, the the breath work. Uh, for you, sometimes it's technical, of course, when you're on stage, but you're not thinking about... You have mainly two types of breathing. You have uh, reflexive breathing and percussive mm-hmm. breathing. There's no need to go into all the other types of breathing because, like... We, let's assume that we are aware that breathing through your nose is the best way of doing it. Cool. Um, breathing in through your nose and breathing out through your mouth. It has a lot of uh, good things for you to do because it, it cleans the air better through your nose and it also heats up the air before it goes into your lungs. Um, I don't drink cold water either because I don't want to contract my system. I want mm-hmm. my system to be open and ready. Um but because I'm so good at breathing, I can breathe however I want. Um, so a refl- reflexive breathing is just... So the reflexive breathing is back to the... When your lungs just suck in a certain amount of air, depends from person to person. And the percussive breathing is that I'm trying to have this conversation with you and I don't really want to let it go. So I'm just going to sneak these tiny little Mm -hmm. breaths whenever I can just to make sure that my oxygen level is high enough that I can keep running and jumping and singing and getting everybody to clap. And soon, I really hope soon that I'm allowed to. No, but we can still. (laughs) Right. You sound like a rapper. So you're basically, (laughs) you're you're stealing air Uh um, and you're not allowing your body to naturally take air in. I didn't realize how much I did that until some of my guys that I write music with tried to sing a song like seven years and they realized it was freaking impossible because there are so few natural points of breath and that happened doing some of that coach work at the idol Mm. I had to explain to the guy if you don't breathe in these specific points you're gonna lose your breath but also by practicing when I was swimming, I could do four full laps underwater. That's 100 meters of swimming underwater with one breath. It's like oxygen level capacity. How much air can you pack in your lungs? And how well can you function on a full breath? And can you allow your diaphragm to work while you're not breathing? Do, do you think this is something that we should all be practicing? You would be a better gymnast if you did. Why do you think gymnasts don't practice this? Is this because, or 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 most of them uh, don't have it as their baseline practice? Most athletes don't just practice don't breathing because they become good enough at their sport early enough. So and doesn't that happen, gonna, doesn't that happen repeat, to singers as well? I'm just going to repeat what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, say that again. The reason why most sports people don't practice breathing early in their career is because they, they at such a young age, become good enough at a craft that they don't need it. Is it, so does that happen to singers as well? I think it does. My bonus was I was singing, I was swimming, I was doing jiu-jitsu, then Muay Thai, breakdancing. So breathing was always in, it, like, when do you breathe and why do you breathe and how do you exhale became very big things in my practice. I, and I realized because of the way I breathe, all my trainers have noticed it. My recovery rate is quicker. My rest time is shorter. Um, the the skill transfer that I can utilize is also more efficient. Um, I'm I'm becoming curious right now and saying maybe I should practice singing. Well, it would because give. it's way more fun to sing in my in my opinion than to go and do breath work. Yeah, and the thing is that singing will release the same endorphins and and dopamines as a regular workout. Singing will slow your aging process. 
literally. Mm-hmm. Where do we start? Um, you just start with lullabies. Start with all the pentatone songs. That's cool. That's like cool. All the easy ones. Like anything pentatone scale based will be easier to remember and easier to do. So like, uh, yeah, what's his name? Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Brother Jack, brother Jack. That's pentatone scale mm-hmm. based. All children's song are pentatone scale based, meaning five notes. Those are five repetitive notes in you walk up and you walk down. You walk up and you walk down. I think that's very cool. And I think it's very cool because the majority of us, those who can hear, we listen to music. And it's such a big part of our culture. Hmm. Yet some people, like you said, some crowds are scared of maybe singing along or jumping or doing whatever. And it sounds like you in many ways are are kind of, I wouldn't say fearless, but you're definitely keen to try almost anything. You're you're a curious person. I I want people to be more curious selfishly because I believe it it makes your life... uh, interesting and special let's just go ahead and say it makes your life better i think it does curiosity did kill the cat but at the same time it's like if you it's a weird analogy but they use they say in our in in ireland that by pulling a cat's tail you will learn something you can learn in no other way (laughs) okay (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's the whole idea that that we we need to we need to look at several factors. Is it dangerous or is it uncomfortable? Because those two they're not mutually exclusive, but they're rarely the same. Uh, so is it dangerous or is it just uncomfortable? That's one thing. And then there's all this this like, what is pain? Because most people are limited by what their idea of pain is. Oh, I can't do that. Or, or that looks painful. That's what a comment I get on my ring work. That looks painful. And I'm, it can be if my grip slips and my the skin yeah rips off or rips something. Off and, but then it's like, well, did, did, does that rip hurt as much as my left wrist that is broken twice and is only half attached to my underarm? Literally. Mm-hmm. No, that rip never hurts as much as my left wrist hurts when I do ring work yeah. but my rip on my right hand will, will stop me from working on the rings for a week when my broken wrist won't because I have become accustomed to this left hand hurting it just does is my life better with a hurting wrist while I'm doing push ups or is it better to not ever do any work with it and have my arm shrivel and fall off <laughs> Right. <laughs> I would say the pain is then something we can live with yeah um, and I think men especially need to understand that like women go through extreme amounts of pain, some of them only during uh, like carrying children and labor, but a lot of women go through a grueling menstrual cycle, and they're expected to go to work and do all these normal people things anyway, and then guys are like, "Oh, but my ankle." And it's actually like, no, no, no. If you sprained your ankle, the first thing you should do is you should be out walking on it. It's mm-hmm. like optimal loading. It's kind of like the man flu. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the man flu syndrome too, yeah. But, but 
it's like we need to understand the fact that pain is a normal thing and pain should not be avoided. Pain should be embraced um, and we should work with it because things hurt, life hurts. Um, but I mean, what is it? Uh, it's like how much is a sunny day worth if you only have them? Mm-hmm. Like you need the contrast. Contrasts are nice. They're nice. Um, they make you appreciate stuff. <laughs> is there anything in your life that you consciously create contrast just to be able to feel? I walk home to the neighborhood I grew up in and I hang out with my friends who are still criminal. And Which you have a t-shirt on right now with your, uh, that's Cri- your hometown, right? Christiania, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's always fun to talk to the gangsters a little bit, just to remind me how far I've come. Because they're doing the exact same thing they were 10 years ago. And oh yeah, by all means, I'm still singing. Yeah, and that's actually my next question because I asked you a, a little bit ago uh, what's changed for you since your first album came out. But I'm 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 wondering what is it that keeps you going? What is it that keeps you showing up? Um, I have fun. Is that the secret? I have fun. Um, I have restaurants. I have a construction company um, and I sing and write music for a living like because it's fun. I like that we build houses and can like remodel restaurants and I like that at my restaurant we're giving people a crazy dining experience like 17 courses over three and a half hours. Um, I like I like giving people things. Um, and at the end of the day, giving is a human need, therefore receiving must be mercy. Um, I think it's it's very important to give and to pass on not only knowledge, but small little things. Um, because that is, if we get a little deeper into the spiritual mindset, if we accept the fact that that God is here, God is in between us. Not above us, not below us, not inside us, but between us. It's in the loving interaction between two human people that God becomes apparent. Um, so yeah, I like what I'm doing because I, I'm giving all the time. Even when I'm not touring, I can see the streaming amounts are rising, so I'm giving something when I'm asleep, when I'm doing nothing. And I realized quite late how much my stories affect other people. And I like that. Um, I'm a teacher to thousands of people in a weird and strange way. And it feels good. Um, And if I, I, the only thing that would make me stop touring and traveling the world would be if I lose the ability to also be a nurturing, caring father. Like... If I can't teach her, then I kind of need to stop all the other stuff. Um, it's going okay so far. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your honesty and how open you are, and you're definitely giving, uh, and you, you're willing to share your knowledge. If you had one, just some closing remarks for people listening uh, that maybe are struggling with showing up daily. 
what should they be looking inward or well, outward for? There are two things. First, yeah. there is uh, you can't always be motivated, so it's better to be dedicated. It's like an annoying mantra, but it works. Um, and then there's the other thing that there is only one you, um, so it's better to be a perfect version of you than a bad copy of someone else. Um, because you see social media and, and influencers, like what are we even influencing? People's spending habits, but are we influencing them in the right way? Not necessarily. Um, so sometimes realizing that the that the pictures that you're seeing aren't the real world. That you are you. No one else can make you you. Other people's thoughts about you are insignificant. Other people's words about you are even more insignificant. And the whole idea that why are you explaining yourself to all these people who don't care anyway? They don't know themselves. Why do they, they deserve to know you? You don't even know yourself, so how can you explain who you are to anyone? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of food for thought. Be the best version of you and not a bad coffee of someone else. There was no you before you and there will be no you after you. And then the whole idea that when people reject you, take the hint and leave their lives silently because they will miss you one day, but you won't necessarily miss them. And there is so much pain in struggling for acceptance I accept me, and that's why I can be a good father and a good husband and a good co-worker and a good student and teacher, because I accept me, my flaws, my boundaries, my fullness, and my incompleteness, and I know that I'm, uh, in a religious term, I know I've sinned, I know I will sin again, I also know that I have given and I will receive, like, all of these free truths, so to speak. It's very important to keep looking at what was free because that's the irreplaceable stuff. We're going to give you a round. Thank you. Dude, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing and being so honest with us. Amazing. Thank you. This was good. Thank you. We went for it. All right, my friends, welcome back. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Rai, what do you think? You were there. Yeah, I mean, I was a fly on, on the wall during that one, taking some photos and, and video. Um, I mean, yeah, it's always surreal to like, be in the same room with someone that you've listened to or, you know, seen on TV and, um, you know, just have that moment of realization where uh, they're just another person. Yeah. You know, they're just another human being. But what was that like for you to um, get to interview him? Yeah, for me it was it was cool. I mean, I was pretty calm and I had uh, I had a good time and I feel like we had connected a little bit because before the interview we did a little workout and that that just gave us a chance to uh, have a little rapport and of course we had talked over DM on Instagram and whatnot. So I felt comfortable, but I didn't know where it was going to go. And uh, you you realize that. Uh, Lucas Graham is someone who uh, is a, a complex individual, like we all are, and is a high performer. So he's he's on very often, but he has a, a great ability to uh, showcase vulnerability, and uh, he packages it in a way that is 
very confident. <laughs> you know, he, he just comes off as like, yeah, I, I know myself. The thing that I was um, impressed by, uh, which I don't know if it came across in the interview, though, was that he is willing to explore what else is there. He's not done. So he's, he's still working on himself. He's still working on his craft. He's still working on figuring out how, how does he continue to unfold in this world. And that's something that I can respect and appreciate uh, very much. Yeah, especially someone that, you know, is willing to put themselves in the spotlight, mm-hmm. you know, or as some people would say, like step into the arena. Um, and that's one of the things that came up for me. One of my favorite things that you asked him was uh, how he responds to people's criticisms and judgments. And his answer was something along the lines of, you know, how or why would I listen to what people think about me when they don't even know themselves? So how, how can someone define me when they don't have an, their own personal definition? And I was just curious, you know, A, what you th- thought about that, but B, you know, yourself being in the spotlight in certain areas of your life, um, you know, how do you relate to that? And does that resonate with you? Do you kind of think in the same vein or is is slightly different? Well, I think I'm a little bit more sensitive maybe to criticism or at least I, the, the way that I, I express my sensitivity, I, I'm a little bit more sensitive to it, but there is a line or this, uh, almost like I can lock the, the criticism into a room and just compartmentalize it and see it. And I think he, Lucas Graham has the ability to do that. Uh, and I think he's been almost forced to do that since he was, uh, a child actor and then coming into singing and now touring the world, uh, and, making albums so yeah i can totally relate what what i appreciate is his willingness to uh, want to explore and and i think one thing that the listener maybe didn't get to hear in this podcast is some of how he processes information which he does really quickly but he does do it in a vulnerable way like when 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 we turned off the mics uh we we kept talking and our dialogue, if you remember, was uh, was very much so in line with what can we do to make this world a better place? What can we do to be uh, better individuals? How can we participate better uh, with the people around us? What, what, what can we do or what should we be focusing on? So simply that willingness to me is something that I admire. And the fact that he performs at a high level and uh, is killing it is amazing. Yeah, and a big part of you know that answer of what we can be doing was like individual accountability, right? And like focusing on, um, you know, how how we carry ourselves throughout our lives, and you know how we we uh, communicate with others, and um, yeah, to hear him, you know, explore that was pretty cool because I mean it's something we we all are doing, um, and I yeah like. F- from my perspective, like self doubt has always been something that like I've always struggled with, um, you know, my entire life. And it's, you know, been, a, in ways, something that's like really held me back. And then in other ways, it's kind of been a superpower because it's like something that shows me what to lean into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I appreciated his perspective on, on that. And it was a good reminder for me to hear that, um, you know, don't be afraid to just go out and and do things and, and welcome 
other people's feedback because it's just feedback. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have to have any control over you. Over you. Yeah. Um, But it's not as simple as just saying that it it takes kind of active reflection, you know, on how it makes you feel and like feeling that kind of like, for me, it usually resonates in like a somatic response where I, you know, I can feel like heavy in my yeah, in your whole body. Or my, yeah. my back will hurt or like whatnot. Right. And, um, just kind of tuning into that and learn, you know, seeing like, you know, where, where can I, um, you know, kind of evolve my, my thought process around certain things so that I can start to build up this like, um, I, I hesitate to say like defense mechanism, but you know, you, you build your shield in a way where it doesn't have to kind of, um, like weigh you down. Mm-hmm. It can actually be something that like adds fuel. Yeah. To and fire. I, I yeah. totally see what you're saying. And one thing that, um, I've actually gone through that before where I, I've imagined myself building up a, a shield and I realized that the shield never served me, that it was better to just let it go through me. And yeah, and becoming be a part, yeah, be yeah a be, part of you. becoming a little bit more fluid. So it's kind of like, oh, here it comes. It just went through me, and there it goes. And to to be a part of the whole thing, uh, it's it's harder. But I think it's like the next level. It's kind of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my shield up right now. But okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Take the shield up. Here it comes. Boom! It goes through me. I feel the whole thing, and then boom, it passes. And then the more you practice letting it go through you. Uh, eventually you realize you become more fluid with that and whatever criticism comes or negative feelings or negative uh, interactions, uh, there's, there's definitely some, uh, you, you kind of become one. And, uh, t- in fact, Tanya and I, <laughs> last night we had a little incident here where there was someone that was, uh, uh not being very kind to us. And Tanya was kind of losing it. And she's like, how are you not losing it right now? And I'm usually the one that loses it. I'm like, I don't, this, this too shall pass. I'm not going to hang on to it. It's fleeting. Yeah. Right. Just, this is just a passing moment. And, and I happen to be in a very good state of mind right now. So, uh, is there another moment? Um, let's say maybe in your like professional life, whether it's, you know, through gymnastics, you know, movement, making videos, podcasts, writing a book where someone has said something to you or message something to you that was on the, you know, the more negative side that, all the time. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, what is your response usually? Like, how do you deal with that? I used to get really upset and I would double down in self-criticism. So you would fire back. I wouldn't even fire back. I would just be like, Oh yeah, they're right. I suck. Oh, you would like, you would, Im- yeah, imbo- I, would, I, would, you would embody I would succumb it. to it. Yeah. And then at the same time be like, Oh yeah, they're so right. And yeah, you suck. And I would have a lot of negative self-talk. Uh, and that's something I've had to, work on yeah and i'm still working on it anyways it was cool i hope i hope people who listen uh enjoyed it uh a few things before we we finish the episode today is one uh we're going to be announcing the freestyle insider here in san francisco happening probably in october of 2020 so stay tuned that's going to happen uh it was an awesome event last year and i i think this year is gonna you know be slightly elevated and the other thing is uh, you can support our podcast now by going to anchor.fm slash slash support and uh, you can contribute uh, to our podcast. And one of the things that you can do is not only contribute financially, but you can also leave us, and I didn't tell you this, right, but you can leave us voice messages uh, 
and ask us questions. And if you want, in the future, we may be able to feature one of those questions in the podcast and uh, tackle it. Yeah, so, that'll be fun. So yeah, you can support us uh, by uh, making a monthly donation. Super easy to subscribe to this thing. And uh, you have a few options there. And then you can cancel that subscription anytime you want. Uh, but if you find this of value, uh, we would super appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Be very grateful. Yeah, and uh, we are excited to continue going. Uh, with more episodes to come and kick ass in 2020. Yeah, we got a good lineup coming. Yeah. And now you guys can also follow us on Instagram at The Freestyle Way, which uh, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you're enjoying what you're listening to or you have a quote from the podcast, you can take a screenshot of yourself listening to it or take a selfie, uh, add the caption. And if you post it on Instagram stories and you tag at the Freestyle Way, uh, we will platform you or reshare uh, what you're listening to. And that way we can also find you and engage because ultimately what we want to do is try to build somewhat of a community here. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Anyways, uh, any final words, Ryan? No, that was great. That was a fun interview with Lucas and i um, excited to get that, that out to everyone and um, keep sharing more, more episodes. Yeah, me too. Anyways, all right, we'll talk to you guys next week then. Here we go. Peace. Peace. Peace.